King of Podcasts Radio Network proudly presents the Wrestling Is Real Podcast because wrestling needs us. As I begin this recap of AEW Revolution, we're going to talk right off the bat of the two things that everybody is up and griping about. Okay, two criticisms. I know everybody in the IWC is going to talk about this. I'm just going to say it. Yes, the end of the barbed wire match, the post-match, where there was expected to be this big kaboom, right? Marvin the Martian would be like, "There's, where's the kaboom? Where's the earth-shattering kaboom, right? Got it. It looked bad. It was about as bad as when we used to have the new blood of the Millionaires Club, right? Back in WCW, when you were expecting that red slime or the blood to come out from the top of the rafters. I remember when Kevin Nash was supposed to get that on an episode of Money Nitro. Or assuming not, no, Thunder. Well, Thunder. And it was a complete miss. And of course, it was taped. It looked horrible. And Nash had to sell it. Because <laughs> barely any of the red blood got on him. Because he didn't put it in right, whatever it was. And I'm sure. Look, we can talk about... Uh, what was the match? Oh yeah, the the electric the the, um, the electric fence. What was the match that the Dudleys were in? 3D was in in TNA. What was that? Oh, it was the wasn't the electric cage match. Wasn't that the one that he was they were in match? Wasn't it TNA electric steel cage? That's right. You want to talk about a real shitty ass match? The ending of that. But the difference is. The entire match of the barbed wire, exploding barbed wire match was really good. So if you want to go ahead and shit on the ending and say the match was horrible, go right ahead. I'm not going to say that. Am I going to admit that ending was shit? Absolutely. That was a misfire. Okay. That was a whatever miscalculation. Something didn't work right. Okay. The effects are being done live. I don't know what happened if they had run out of effects, but otherwise the match itself was executed pretty well. I can't complain about that. That I really enjoyed. Honestly, I mean, I don't know if I it felt, felt like that was the match that gave me the most awestruck because of the way it was set up. But obviously they told the story in it. They definitely like made a point where like Omega and Moxley had to go and, you know, put it all out there after everything that happened between them to get to this point i get that part i get where mox is going to probably get written off of storylines for a while because of this and i also got why kenny kingston came out to save his friend even with their, all the shit they went through it's quite a story they told i i like the story a lot i think the way they finished it off was good the ending, the explosion. Okay, you want to sit back on that? But but you gotta if you AEW defend, AEW defend, defend AEW, defend AEW. See, you're not a WWE mark. Da, 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 da. I got it. Yes, I know what you're gonna say. I've been around doing this damn show for eight and a half years. I know what you're going to do and say. I am watching Twitter. Okay, I even know what the other podcasters are going to do because I listen to it. I could go right now, listen to JD from New York. 
I could listen to Sunday Night's Main Event. I could go listen to Don Tony or whoever, a wrestling super, whoever else you want. Yes, they are going to rail at the end of that match, and they might spend 30 to 60 minutes on it. I only need to spend about three. I'm going to admit it happened off the top. Okay, admit mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when it happens to AEW, man, you want to talk about some the, the bubble WWE fans out there, the casual fans, the fans that are just loyalists to that brand, the major leagues, right? The major leagues, they're all going to shit on this. And rightfully so. Go right ahead to your heart's content. I hope you enjoy that. But you're not going to hear that on this program. The other criticism, number two, was Christian being revealed as the Hall of Fame worthy main eventer being signed by AW. This was just as important as when Christian decided to go and leave for TNA. And I felt excited about when that happened back in 2005. I thought it was a really big deal. Now, people might not have liked Christian Cage in TNA, a company with AJ Styles, as a matter of fact. People don't remember that, I'm sure. That's okay, all right? Because with that match, or with that, with that setup, you know, with Christian Cage, I liked, I think what, what set him up, his time in TNA helped him to build kind of the character where the peep show came from. Because no one wants to hear this, but I'm going to say it. And I'm sure some people might agree with me, but Christian's always been second fiddle to Edge. Edge and Christian's a tag team. Everybody loves, loves, love. But the truth is, with WWE, Edge was the Shawn Michaels and the Marty Jannetty of the, of the team was Christian, always. And Christian, I get it. They never saw his body had a certain look, didn't have the kind of charisma. His mattress were kind of weak. I get it. And even I felt like when it comes to him in ECW, it was a little bit, you know, he was kind of just bland. And some of his WWE run with some of the feuds he got into as well, same thing. And that's, that's justified. But the truth is, I just think they always held Christian down. I always felt like that as a singles competitor. I mean, they gave him titles and all, sure. But the way they used him, the way they presented him, never liked it. I always thought he had a more of an edge when he was somewhere else. So when he was in TNA, I liked him as Christian Cage. I actually liked the Christian Cage character better than I did the Christian character. Believe it or not. I've always felt like that. And just some, you know, some wrestlers always kind of give me that kind of feel where, again, when the company's not going to use you, much like Big Show, if you're not going to use him properly as a, as a guy you've had around for years in that company, then what do you expect him to do? Okay, and obviously we talked about this before. Big Show likes paychecks. He likes to get paid. He will go where the money is, and that's what he did. And he's also going to go where he's going to feel respected, which he's also going to do. Christian is going for money and to be respected. What's wrong with that? Now, these guys... Okay, they are, I mean, will they be full-timers? I don't know. I mean, I don't think Big, time, big Show, absolutely, again, as announcer, part-time competitor. I think Christian has some little bit of time he can go ahead and work out there. I think there's a lot of matches you could put with Christian in. Christian Cage, you could have a lot of matches with. And I think what they did, in my opinion, 
is that with John Moxley in that match, they were writing him off. And I think Christian Cage is meant to be somebody that kind of fits a main event role as they're building someone else to be a main eventer. Okay. Because everybody's working with somebody to be mentored. All right. Darby Allen paired with Sting, right? FTR paired with Tully Blanchard. Lance Archer paired with Jake Roberts. Jake St. Roberts. And, you know, this right here, having somebody come in like Christian that can go ahead and, you know, you can at least get a good promo out of him. You can get matches out of him. And I think if he gets to work that's a style that's not WWE style, I mean, he can work. He can do well. One of my favorite matches of Christian Cage anyway, or Christian in general, and you might be surprised if you remember this. Do any of you remember TNA Impact? They did a full 60-minute episode with Christian Cage versus Rhino. That's a great match. It really was. I bet you nobody remembers that match, but I do. Like, again, I watched those matches, and I did enjoy it. The Eight Mile Street Fight, that's what it was. Man, I forgot about that match. It went a whole entire Impact episode. So it wasn't 60 minutes per se, but again, they did 40 minutes plus. And I liked the match. It was really good. I enjoyed that match. That was, a really, it was actually one of my, one of my uh, matches of the TNA Impact era. You know, when they were just getting themselves like kind of kicked off and started, Jim Cornette was doing the, the uh, kind of the general manager kind of deal, and Shane Douglas was back there. It was, you know, just a lot of stuff that was going on. I actually liked that era of TNA Impact, and a lot of people always look back and they kind of praise that time because that's when really things were fun. Team Canada was there, all that. So at this point here, what happens is Christian Cage, he gets to be this veteran that gets to work with a lot of stars. Now, who is he going to work with? I don't know. But he's not to the point where that guy is not usable. I don't think he, he's like that. I think there's just something you can do with him. I don't know how well he'll do. I'm trying to look at his age. I'm trying to think, okay, 47 years old. Yeah, he's up there. But again, he can still work. As long as, as, long as he's uh, injury, not injury prone, that's good. But again, he's not going to work the tough schedule. They're not going out on the road. See what happens with him. And I prefer it. Again, I always felt like they just don't use him right. And for more than anything else, Christian Cage, okay, you're always going to have him as like the second banana to Edge. However they're going to do it, Edge is always going to be top dog. And that's also how it's always going to be set until there's a point where there's a tag team and Edge and Christian are built together. But really, Christian's never going to build get build like what Edge is doing. They're never going to do what Edge did, what they did with Edge anyway, because they never looked at him in that way. Edge always got the big feuds. Okay, he got the long-term feud with John Cena, right? And so many other things that he did. The Radar R Superstar, he got the build of the character and a whole lot of things that went along with it. He's the one that got it. Okay, and that's how it worked out. So I have no issue with him coming into the company. And listen... If it's for a chance to go ahead and continue working and to continue to go ahead and work his craft and be able to do what he likes to do in a style that's not going to be inhibited or, you know, handicapped, not handicapped, uh, restricted. That's the word I'm looking for. He's going to get to work how he wants to work and good for him. He's a familiar face, much like Big Show. It's some more faces that you get familiar that are from the WWE. And again, they're not just picking off stars. I mean, again, 
try to imagine who else they could have chosen to go and bring on board. Uh, you know, yes, yeah, CM Punk. But that wasn't going to happen. I just don't see all of a sudden, like the story that would come out of that would be ridiculous. I don't see that happening. I don't think they were going to go that route. So Christian coming in, that's not a letdown to me at all. I think that's significant. That's a significant sign for them. The way they did it, fine, symbolic. I got it. So good for him. Let him come on in. Let's see what he does. I don't think he's going to give us any crap matches. I don't think he's going to disappoint. But again, he is taking a spot, probably. But again, who's there that's really taking the spot right now that is the spot? Because John Moxley's spot is going to be let go right now for the time being. Who's going to fill that? Who's going to be that top babyface? I mean, you got to ask yourself the question. Who is that top babyface right now on the roster? You know, for me, I'm trying to think, you know, Darby Allen's one of those top babyfaces, but he's, again, TNT champion to this and that, right? Cody, obviously, is one of those top faces. But again, he's trying to hold himself back. You got heels galore, Jericho, MJF, right? And then that mid card is just the mid card, which let's talk about that. Again, I've already said my piece of what I wanted to say about those two major criticisms. Everybody's going to say what they want. You go ahead and spread out, group chat, get on Clubhouse, Twitter spaces, whatever the hell you want. Go talk about it. TikTok it, Instagram Live, stream your thoughts. Go right ahead. It doesn't matter to me. Now, in terms of the whole show in general, starting off, I didn't mind the show being on a Sunday. I know you see we have it on Saturday, but again, to have the traditional Sunday was nice. Actually, I did like that. It was kind of weird to go and get the show started off at eight o'clock. That did feel kind of weird. In the matches themselves, Dr. Rick Baker and Maki Ito beat Riho and Thunder Rosa. I only caught the last couple minutes of the match. And again, some screw job stuff with Rebel, not Reba, kind of doing some stuff with a crutch at the end so that Britt Baker could get the win. And then into the main event. Now, the booking of the of the show was actually quite interesting. I didn't think it was badly booked at all. I think they kind of did spread, spread it around pretty good with a couple of matches that you know didn't give me too much. But again, I wasn't bored by some of the mid-card stuff. That, that's okay. Now, Young Bucks, Inner Circle, AEW World Tag Team Titles, a hell of a good match. Jericho and MJF were very good in the dispatch. I actually was surprised that Jericho and MJF did not get a chance to win. But again, they gave him ch chances. But of course, the story was really good. The story they told getting into this here, the way it was portrayed, really good match. So there's not much to say about that. That was a very good match. A lot of you know showboating and stuff by the inner circle. Good stuff there. They're now going to have a war council, so they're going to probably be making some changes. And you can already kind of tell that MJF, because of the loss here in the tag team titles, because of the issues with Sammy Guevara, because of some of the other things that are going on, this is where I think the turn comes in where MJF now takes over inner circle. Because you kind of just hear the little tells throughout. That's where I think they're going to go next. Casino Tag Team Royal Battle Royal for their future AW World Tag Team Championship match. It was some of the some of the tag teams were very not so interesting to me, but again, the way they set up was pretty good. In terms of okay, Natural Nightmares, QT Marshall, he dropped off. 
and now they got a, a break apart. And I'm not, they haven't explained the story as to why QT Marshall and Dustin Rhodes have decided to go ahead and split where they the, the part, the pull apart is right there. Dark Order, I can't get into much. They just kind of just are there. Gun Club, same thing. Pretty picture. A lot of low end dark wrestlers that are in this. So if you're really in the dark, then you kind of like the, you know, the difference of the certain tag teams that are in there. Again, there was nobody that stood out more in some of those teams, like the Side Owl Brothers or the Gun Club or the Pretty Picture, right? You got a lot of those low end kind of jobber tag teams that are just on the low end of the, bu- uh, of the circle. And then towards the top of that group in the Battle Royal, you'd have to put Butcher and Blade and Private Party and So-Called Uncensored, and I'd put Inner Circle, and yeah, that's what I'd put it on the whole set, and Death Triangle, which Death Triangle won. And to see Phoenix and Peck up against Young Bucks, that's a hell of a match, and I don't forget if they're going to have that coming up on TV this week or if that's going to be coming up soon. So everybody got a little bit upset because of the Nyla Rose losing in the Women's World Title Tournament. So Ryu Mizunami, which, again, they just gave a straight-up Japanese match, which wasn't bad. 15 minutes they gave the match. And I thought they did fine, you know. And again, they had it where you had more issues with uh, Maki Ito, Britt Baker, the kind of attack there, Ryu Thunder Rosa coming in. So it's obviously there's some things that are going on right now with the Women's World Title there's not much of a say of who's going to be doing what. So where they go next, they haven't said much about. But Hikaru Shida, again, strong champion. But to find the next couple of competitors are going to have that really do stand out. Nyla Rose has been the one, but are they going to go ahead and bring Brett Baker up to that level? Is that where they're going to go next with it? That's the idea. Match, I really didn't care much at all. Well, the next two matches, I was like, eh, you know, it's fine. Like, they definitely put time to build the mid-card fuse, they're not, they're definitely not, uh, they don't lack on taking time to build some detail to some of these feuds that they could put for the mid-card. So they do the job. Are they meant to be like super spectacular? No, but they're fine. And the story comes out fine. So Miro and Kip Sabian went over best friends. And obviously without, well, with Chuck Taylor getting all beat up and Orange Cassidy getting pummeled by Miro on a regular basis. They wanted to make Miro look strong, and I'm sure there's going to be some point where Miro is going to have to go and be a singles competitor once again with Kip and Penelope at, at, at his side. Somewhere they're going to go that like that down the line, the best man. Now they did have a good match, Matt Hardy, Big Money Matt Hardy, and Heyman at a page. That was a good match. You know, they got a good story going on behind that, and they definitely played that up. That was a good match. I don't have much to say about it. They're just like nothing was like stood out and just like, oh wow, I gotta like talk about this. Because they were just good matches. They were like good dynamite matches. That's what it was. That's what I felt like with Adam Page and Matt Hardy. That's what I felt like with uh the tag team match with Kip uh Kira, Miro and Kip and the best friends. Last three matches really did stand out. Face of the Revolution Ladder match or a future AWTNT championship match. So everybody's going to go and talk about Christian Cage being like the big sign signing that came in, the big debut. The one that stood out for me is all ego Ethan Page. Listen, that guy, I know there was a lot of stuff said about him in the indies, but to see him go and break away from the North 
And the run that he had over in Impact Wrestling, I thought the Impact Wrestling run that he had with uh, Walking Weapon Josh Alexander was fantastic. I thought the North was a was a wonderful tag team, really good. I'm surprised they they decided to break it up. But yeah, Ethan Page got the better of it, and actually it was supposed to be where I thought Josh Alexander would have been the one because the Walking Weapon he was Josh Alexander came in first, but now he's still there. He's going to be single star in Impact. That's good. But Ethan Page has a lot to be said. He's good. To, he's kind of like an Eli Drake kind of feel. Cocky, got a good talk, and he can cut a good promo. He can work really well. He's got a good look. That makes sense. Like, I can see, you know, there were going to be some companies that were going to look at him anyway. And AEW was the spot. So he steps up. He goes to AEW, has a pretty good run in the match. Lance Archer obviously was one of his uh, detractors from winning the ladder match. Scorpio Sky, after all this time, you know, he had a chance to go up to the TNT title match and a match with Cody last year. One of those featured matches where Cody held the belt and he was doing really well with it. And now Scorpio Sky gets a chance again. Him and Darby Allen. So that match is this week on Dynamite. That's a hell of a match to have. Loved it. Now the match that was you from top to bottom the beginning to end, the match of the night was a street fight. Darby Allen and Sting versus Team Taz, Brian Cage, Ricky Starks. This is very cinematic, good style. Like the stylist, the, the stylist of it. Like you want to talk about, yeah, young, younger crowds should appreciate that kind of match. I think they got to see that. Kind of had, you know, it was just you could tell like real film look, bit of final deletion kind of feel to it with a boneyard match feel to it. And it was a straight up and Darby Allen really took some moves that were just crazy. Like some of the spots they did were fantastic. You know, Brian cage carrying Darby Allen over uh, up, up a flight of stairs and Darby on doing a, you know, elbow drop off of some big scaffolding, something out of what it was top of the stairs down to something, whatever it was. And sting looking great in this type of match. The use of Sting was incredible. Sting looked really good in this match. It was good to see these guys win. Wonderful match. Good way to put it together. It was excellent. I really enjoyed the street fight. That was a really well done match. And Darby Allen looked good throughout. And Sting has helped elevate Darby Allen to a point. I really feel like Darby Allen's a big deal now. He's getting to be one of those strong main eventers. Is he a guy that down the line he drops the tnt title does he become a number one contender for kenny omega you could do that i think they've done an excellent job i mean mtf you know you pulled him into the inner circle stuff and you know the singles build for him has kind of like been kind of back burner but again who he's working with is is, is really just good stuff for him like, this is good for him to just to build what he had. Like, the original build MJF when he had the screw job on Cody, now he's going to do the screw job on Jericho and the inner circle. That's, that's just a hell of a, that's a hell of a storyline to tell. Like, you put the trust in MJF all this time and all this time invested, all this capital, and here we go. Screw job. Love it. Great. That is what you want to do. So, excellent there. Now, finally, you wanted to basically have this exploding barbed wire death match. This is the blow off to the feud. 
Moxley and Omega, which has been done for a couple of years. And when they started off the company, the promotion, and Kenny Omega gets the belt, screws over John Moxley again, and John Moxley's out. So they can always come back to that story again. The story of what they did with the exploding barbed wire, like you hear them, they both get bloody. John Moxley took a big brunt of the stuff, and it was like, Psh, that guy just, you know, he loves the. You could just tell he just revels in this thing. Like both of these guys, you never thought. Again, Kenny Omega obviously bringing something from Japan. John Moxley getting to work in a match like this. This is like best of both worlds for both of them. So you can tell they were enjoying to do this match. They relished in being able to do this match in a main event. And AEW allowed it and sanctioned it. That's something special. And when you had Moxley about ready to be pinned by Omega and he uses the leg on the rope, which explodes the damn barbed wire, that's a hell of a move. That is genius. That's and what a way to turn around the match. That's a quite a telling point. Good brothers coming in to interfere because Kenny Omega couldn't do it by himself. Keeps John Moxley strong. Now, does Kenny Kingston come into the play, and does he go ahead and attack Kenny Omega next just for defending his, his brother-in-arms, John Moxley? I think that's where you go next as you're trying to build up the next contender for Kenny Omega. I think that's where you go next. You could build that up right now. So that'll be interesting because, I mean, right there, Kenny Kingston turns face for defending his friend. That, that's him turning face, I would imagine. I don't know if they're going to say that or not, but I think that's what happened. That was a face turn. And so that was all good again. Sure, let's complain about the exploding barbed wire at the end, the explosion. Oh, we're supposed to get something out of like, you know, I don't know. They thought there was going to be like an electromagnetic pulse type super explosion. The, the top of Daly's place is going to get blown up. What do you guys think they were going to do? Okay. They had to protect the people in the ring. Like, really, what did you expect them to do? <laughs> I just, I have no clue. And I'm not here to try to figure out what they were going to try to do to make things work out. It wasn't good the way that final five minutes ended. The post-match we could have lived without. But I got what they were trying to do. That's the whole point. I don't know how they go and, you know, portray that. In the uh, highlights when they're going to put it on Dynamite this week. I don't know how they're going to do that. Or if they're just going to admit there was just some flaw right there. What do they do? I don't know. But everyone to go and shit on the very last second. And it's like, hey, man, some people were just like in a movie. If the ending's not good, then the whole movie's ruined. I got it. I got it. Fine. Fine. Now, I want to talk about one other thing, which we'll go into more detail on the podcast this week. And that's the story that's come out from Dave Meltzer that there's some reported changes being made to the WrestleMania 37 card. I wanted to bring this up and insert it here before we go ahead and go to that. But then again, I want to go and see if they start making changes to it. And we will focus on that on the Wrestling Observer podcast Wednesday going into Thursday. So here's what we got from Blake Ostreicher, Forbes.com. He reports from Dave Meltzer in the Wrestling Observer newsletter that McMahon wants the show to be bigger then it is currently shaping up the beat. And Meltzer writes, McMahon decided this week that the show needs to be bigger and the change plans accordingly. And there's nothing specific about it. McMahon had gotten upset over recent 
internal links that spilled the beans regarding plans for The Miz to battle Bad Bunny and for Roman Reigns to wrestle Edge for the Universal title at what is their biggest event of the year. Well, you're kind of putting it there. We kind of see where we're going to go to that. So McMahon and WWE have been reportedly been restricting information from the superstars themselves to prevent more from leaking out. So he's one. This is again. I talked about this overthinking the obvious. We talked about this this last Wednesday. This is what they're doing. And now they're going to affect the biggest show of the year. Why they want to do this. It's just one man. It's Vince McMahon. He wants to do it. He's now unhappy, not just with league plans, but also the plan direction of some penciled in matches at WrestleMania 37. So again, we only have two matches official. Roman Reigns versus Edge for the Universal Championship and Sasha Banks versus Bianca Belair for the SmackDown Women's title. But they have laid the framework for other key matches, which could be Randy Orton versus Bray Wyatt, Drew McIntyre versus Bobby Lashley for the WWE Championship and Cesaro versus Seth Rollins, among others. So expect some changes. There's a reason why Daniel Bryan's been injected into the storyline with Edge and Roman Reigns. We see that, right? So there's that part. And then, you know, they haven't gone in the direction yet with Miz and Bad Bunny yet to kind of get that started up yet. So we don't know what they're going to do. And to make it bigger, Vince, what are you going to do to make the, the, the event bigger? Uh, if you want to try to make it bigger, what you could do, well, there's a couple things, you know. I'll tell you what, what Vince could do. <laughs> you want to like really be crazy about it. Start paying up Ronda Rousey to come back. She could take on Asuka or put her with Charlotte Flair in there or make it where Asuka loses the belt to Charlotte Flair at Fastlane. And then Charlotte Flair versus Ronda Rousey bring us that match that everybody was expecting a while back. You want to do that? Okay. And then when it comes to Bob Brock Lesnar, go ahead and sign him another time, right? And put him in the ring with Bobby Lashley for Universal Championship. Or excuse me, for the WWE Championship. Go ahead and do that. Give us those two matches. Want to make the, make the show bigger? There you go. That's what you can do. Otherwise... I have no clue what Vince McMahon could possibly think he could do to make the show bigger. I don't know. I have no clue what he thinks he's going to be able to do. But, again, <laughs> I'm going to sit around and talk about it. I want to see what he does. As always, just funny. We're going to leave it there around 30 minutes tonight. And we'll come back with the Wrestling Consumer Podcast. And, uh, again, as for AEW Revolution... It was a B, not B plus or B minus, but just a straight B. Again, the barbed wire match was a little bit much. And, you know, the mid card, um, I don't know if it's just like I'm just not getting rubbed off by certain stars that they have in the mid card and they just kind of like to build up. But it wasn't bad. I mean, mid card feels like mid card. It's not bad mid card. It's just mid card. And you could definitely tell they feel like that when it comes to that or main eventers. And. You know, the company's been around long enough where they need to go and get something else where some pushes need to be made where there's where some super pushes. Like, we got stars that are making the runs and they're making win after win after win. But again, it's like what does need to happen is there, if there are certain stars they want to have that, of course, they always make it where some wrestlers are on every week and some are not. 
that you might want to do a little bit of that just to kind of get started on getting some main adventures over. They've done it with Darby Allen until some point, but again, they haven't had him wrestle much. And MGF the same way. So I don't know if it's just kind of just making it special or not, but, you know, I'm not complaining too much about it. I just think that there's, there's more that can be done. Like, I'm trying to find who else is, like, a real star that's, like, really getting built up here. And then where some of these new stars they have been brought in, bringing on board, some of these bigger names that are from WWE. I know. That's what everybody's talking about. Oh, look at these cast-offs, these retreads, these secondhand, you know, people they got, and these uh, recyclables. Right. I got it. They're going to all complain about it. They're everybody's going to have their own little number to say, right? So let all those other podcasters go ahead and spend three, four hours on it. I'm spending 30 minutes. I've made my piece. I'm good with it. And I will talk to you later this week for another Wrestling is Real podcast because wrestling needs us. Thank you for listening to the Wrestling is Real podcast. You can find all previous episodes at wrestlingisreal.com or subscribe to the show on all major podcast outlets, including Apple, Amazon, Google, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Follow the King of Podcasts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at King of Podcasts. And search King of Podcasts on YouTube. Or type youtube.com slash jbrasco951. This has been a presentation of the King of Podcasts Radio Network.